Hey guys, I'm Kelly Wolf, and this is the Flow Podcast. I feel like I have to clear something up. So when people hear the word flow, they always ask me, is this a yoga class or just something that can happen when you're surfing? But this flow stands for finding love over worry. And this podcast is all about the ways that you can have more flow in your life. On the Flow Podcast, I'm going to share my wisdom as a coach, a writer, a speaker, and a mama. I want to give you all the goods so that you can start your flow journey today. All right, let's get started. All right, guys, today's episode is going to be all about change because can we agree that we are going through it, y'all? In one way or another, our lives have changed dramatically in the last year or year and a half. And I would say that that's pretty much around the world. So today's episode is going to be all about the different ways that we can find more flow through all of the incredible changes that we're experiencing. Are you celebrating the moments of your life, the big and small moments of your life? Because our friends at 1111 Wines believe in just that. In fact, their tagline is make your moment. You guys, I've been a fan of 1111 Wines for years. They are a luxury wine brand. They have one of the top winemakers in the world, Kirk Vengay, and they believe deeply in the power of connection. 1111 has so much to offer. You can be a wine club member, which gives you incredible perks, one of which is priority booking in their incredible vineyard house. Guys, I booked it last year and did it to mark a really special occasion in my life, and I will never forget it. So the next time that you want to make a moment in your life, consider giving the gift of 1111 Wines to someone that you love, or give it to yourself. Sign up for the wine club, go to their website at 1111wines.com, and be ready to make your moment. One of the things I get asked about the most are recommendations for coaches in different niche areas. I have a coach who I recommend to all parents who have found themselves feeling like they are alone in their parenting journey because their child was born in a way that they didn't expect. Margaret Webb Life Coaching is a true unicorn, you guys. She is a master certified life coach. She is certified nature-based coach. She is a former teacher, but her most important journey and job on this life was being a mother to her 17-year-old son who is on the autism spectrum. She works with parents who feel incredibly alone in their journey with a child that they didn't expect. And she wants to remind those parents that not only are they not alone, but there are things that they can do to bring ease and joy in their life that they may have never considered. I call Margaret a friend. She is a profoundly gifted coach. And if you have found yourself on this journey, I would not hesitate to reach out to her. Go to margaretwebblifecoach.com and that is web with two Bs. And I promise that this will change the journey for you. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys a little story about why this topic came to mind. And 
For a lot of you, you know I love chatting about different ideas and different topics that I think are relevant to what's happening in our lives. But no matter what I thought about, this topic kept coming to the surface, which is so obvious to me. But I'm going to tell you a little personal thing. We are currently living in Vancouver, and we are currently renting a house. And we just found out that the person who owns our house wants to sell our house. So we're going to have to figure out a new plan. Now, if you know me personally, you know that since the age of 15, I have moved mm, almost every year. That doesn't mean I've always not had a place to, to be, but I've moved almost every year of my life. So I've been moving, oh my goodness, over 25 years, many, many, many times. In fact, one time my husband and I figured out that we moved 14 times in seven years. And like I said, at one point we owned a home for 14 years in, a, in, in Utah. So we kind of had that, uh, that we would rent out and occasionally we were able to go back there, but, but overall we've moved quite a bit. And it's funny, I've had some past life, uh, experts tell me that I have nomadic blood, that there is a past life vibe or or need or drive that's in me to continually to move. And I could argue that I can get on board with that to a certain degree, but I will admit to you that it is sometimes quite jarring and really hard. And it's also the nature of the beast in the world that we live in, my husband and I. So I'm okay with it. I even enjoy it at times, but it's hard. It can be hard. So right this very second, it's probably highest of mind for me, but I could also say that I think it's highest of mind for most people that I know. And here's why. Over the last year, no matter what, we have experienced an enormous amount of shift and change. Oftentimes, we don't get it perfectly right. You know, we have two choices in life, always two choices that we can make. One is based in love and one is based in fear. And I think what we've seen happen is we've had a lot of fear-based responses. And that is something that I consistently want to call out. Certainly want to call it out of myself, but I want to call it out in general, that we might have a more efficient playbook. I have this concept, probably one of my deepest held beliefs as a human being is that the whole reason that we're here, this whole thing called life is for us to grow and evolve to a more love-based energy. That is my most core, core, core belief. I believe that it is based in a consistent curiosity. I believe that when you stop growing, when you stop being curious, you become stagnant in so many different ways. And when you reactivate your curiosity, when you reactivate the call that comes from inside of you, and I want to be clear about something. This is not about ambition. This is not about hustle. It can be, but it isn't about that. We would be small-minded to think that change can only come from big sweeping concepts, like in my case, moving or new work or more things or that type of idea. To me, it's also very rooted in a deeper, deeper sensation that comes from a desire to live in a love-based energy, to return to that as often as possible, to understand when it's off course. It's not about uprooting 
life or shifting your status quo. It's much deeper than that. If your life is a repetition of the same things, you know, whatever, I actually think about my dad when I think about this, that he goes to work, he's a professor, he's an archaeologist, he comes home from work, he loves to go work in his garden, he loves to work the land. He's not trying to come up with the next big tech idea or become an influencer or worry about the outfit that he's wearing, you know, meaning that the continuity of your day is beautiful. The curiosity that you have, that's your spiritual shift and change. That's a deeper thing. The action that you take could be repetitive, could be what you do every single day, could be that way for 50 years. And that is beautiful. It's not about changing that is not what I'm focusing on. I'm talking about a deeper and deeper thing. So I'll take this from two places. One is when your life is flowing and when your life is going in a form that feels really good to you, but that it feels repetitive and how much of that is becoming robotic to you. And how much of you have you engaged in a conversation of deeper shift and change? How much of you have you asked the question, am I choosing from love instead of fear? I want to talk about that for just a second, because I think that this is something across the board that we just, we could, we could get this reminder every day and it wouldn't be too much. There are two ways to answer a question. There are two ways to choose anything, any, any, anything. You can throw anything at me and I can tell you one of your sides will be love and one of your sides will be fear. I mean, or three of your sides will be love and 10 of your sides will be fear, but there's only two. There's only two paths that are ever a choice for us at any given time. It does not matter. And for instance, here's a good example. Given the uh, situation that we are currently in, my first reaction when I hear, okay, we need to move out, I, I feel fear. You know, I, my brain goes into a scramble. Oh no, what does that mean? What if we can't find something? You know, I think that's a really human response that we all have. We just start to go into a place of, this is not what I expected. And so we kind of start to scramble. However, whenever that happens, my invitation to myself and to you is to ask myself, hold on a minute take a step back, take a minute to breathe, take a minute to ground in and find out what is this breadcrumb here to tell you. If I look at things through the lens of opportunity, if I look at things through the lens of maybe they're here to nudge me in a different direction, then I'm not going to necessarily choose the fear option. And this can be equated to intense things. I could go back upon reflection. Again, like I said, it's sometimes quite harder to do this in the moment, but I can look back on life. I had a very traumatic experience when I was 18, very, very traumatic. And of course, at the time I was just terrified and scared and sad and trying to survive. I look back, the choices that that thing created for me without a doubt were breadcrumbs of my life without a doubt. That horrible experience was 
one of the greatest experiences because of what I learned, what it taught me, and what it changed in my life. So anything that you experience that throws you into a state where you immediately want to choose fear as your first reaction, it's more likely than not that that's going to be a breadcrumb opportunity for you, but you might not see it until you reflect upon it. I had a huge aha moment when I first started working with Joe at Blueberry Nutrition, and that is blueberry-nutrition.com. And when you go to their website, start by taking the quiz. It will give you an individualized program that's created just for you. So when I first started working with Joe, she had helped me find these small changes, these tiny habits that I could make for my overall health. At the time, I had been feeling dizzy and my blood pressure was low, and she really got to the root of the problem. Her whole method is to get you off of those vicious cycles of losing the same 20 pounds over and over again. Her method was designed to create lasting changes for you, changes that are doable, that come from small habit shifts. Go check out blueberry-nutrition.com and start your health journey today. Did you know that OG is an NSF certified organic skincare company? Because they are committed to a seed to skin approach That way you can know everything that you're putting on your skin is from the purest ingredients from the earth. I am a fan of all the OG products. My makeup bag looks like an OG makeup stand, (laughs) but my favorite right now is the sculpted face sticks. I love carnelian. It gives me this buildable, luminous, dewy glow, and I'm obsessed You guys can find OG on all major social platforms from YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at OG. That's O-G-E-E. You can also go to their website, www.og.com and check out all their products. They're stunning. You will love having them on your countertop. All right, guys, let's get glowing with OG. Okay, so right this second, I feel like we have to define the difference between a love and a fear-based response. So given my situation, I like to just use real-time things. I think it helps so much in understanding these concepts. My first thought, like I said, oh no, what do I do? Panic, panic, panic. (laughs) Second thing, wait a minute. What is this here to show me? Where am I meant to be guided? I actually do say that prayer often when, especially if I feel confused by something and that that the obvious answer is not sitting right in front of me, my prayer will be, I trust the process. Please guide me in the direction that you would like for me to go. And I don't always know why. And and sometimes I, I question it some, but that ultimately I will lean in because it's never, ever, ever steered me wrong. And I will promise you something on my word, on my honor. When you listen to that, you will never be steered in the wrong direction. Never. It's impossible. It is your direct line to God, to your highest vibration, to your guide, to all of it. And you just have to take the time to pick up the phone, (laughs) dial and ask for that assistance and it will come to you. So there's two, those two responses, love and fear. 
In this case, the first was fear. I'm scrambling. I'm on all the rental sites. I'm sending emails. I'm, I call it roll call when I get into that state, which is I start, you know, telling everybody I know. I'm like, wave the flag that I'm needing assistance. And then I drop in. It's, that's usually my pattern. It's also really good to know your pattern. That's an important thing for you in life is to really see what your patterns are so that you can disrupt your pattern where it's no longer serving you. I would say that my roll call doesn't serve me. It's gotten me things. That's where it can be tricky because it can sometimes work. It's just that it can sometimes be blocking the love answer and it's being driven by the fear response. Okay. It's being driven by the fear response. The love answer is a much slower, calmer sensation. And that's where I went to after that. Okay. So first response, this drop in, call in all the guides, remind myself that ultimately I'm only here to be of service, that this isn't, I'm a co-creator in the experience, not the creator of the experience. And it is on me to get on board with what that co-creation is supposed to be about. Cut to some pretty, I can't really get into it today, but some pretty interesting new developments occurred around this moment in time. So I don't know, we'll see where it lands. But right now I am absolutely sitting in the co-pilot seat and trusting that the two of us can pilot this ship in the right direction. So I want to also get into that place of, I have this life that's in constant shift. Okay. So my lens is always going to be unique from that point of view. And it's been that way kind of as long as I can remember. So for me, it's very normal. That is a very typical (laughs) sensation for me where I would say most people, most people, I mean, maybe this is off a little bit, but they tend to have a little bit more continuity you know, and I'm only really trying to guess based on the people around me. So yeah, most of the people that are in my immediate circle would have much more continuity than I do. And in that case, how curious are you being about your life? How curious are you being about your growth? How often are you distracted by the things? I will have an entire chapter in my book that is about the top four distractions. Are you ready for these? power, sex, money, and drugs. And most people will go, oh yeah, none of those apply to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I laugh because, oh man, we are funny. Me personally, I would be like, yeah, none of that. Are you joking right now? Of course. When we get into the distraction space, again, I, none of this is to be looked at in a negative lens. Okay. I, you know what? Let me just, let's, Take that in for a minute. None of this is to be looked at through a negative lens. Of course, all of those categories can drift into addictive, damaging behavior. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the human experience since the beginning of time would have been distracted by and dominated by primarily those four things. And you could go back as long as you want to go back. It was probably power before we had actual money to exchange. It was desire, sex, et cetera. It's always been there. It's so human. And and it's also animal kingdom. (laughs) Go watch The Lion King if you just need a refresher in this idea. 
we have these four primary distractors that distract us from our deeper drive to a a love-based being and a love-based intention and a love-based life. All right. Power, sex, money, drug, drugs, alcohol. Drugs can be drugs can be categorized as anything from actual drugs, you know, cocaine, drugs, whatever, drugs, alcohol, screens, anything, anything like that would all be in that category that we get a high from it, like a falsified high, meaning that it's whatever the thing is, is impacting our brain and our sensation. It's not just a natural thing that's happening when we're just sitting in contemplation. Okay. But y'all get my point. Power, sex, money, drugs. These are the things that can pull us away from that deeper curiosity towards wanting to change, towards wanting to evolve, towards wanting to become a more compassionate being on the planet. And they will be a consistent distractor because we have also been conditioned to consistently want to grow those four categories, maybe not the drug category, but primarily the other ones. I would say money and power are the more dominating factors for people. So whatever the dynamic is, that's a driving force that's consistently going to distract you from that deeper, deeper, deeper calling. These are kind of heavy concepts, which I can understand. They're a little hard to wrap our heads around. So my suggestion always is to just marinate on that for a while and see where, see where you see it, see where you see it and see how the choice that could be offered at any given time will come in the form of fear or love. And then which force is pulling, right? Which desire is deciding for you. So if I'm looking at the last year and what the world has gone through with the pandemic, with so much shift and change that has occurred around us, so much intensity, this past year has had an incredible amount of shift and change for everybody, I think globally in every different arena. And I think we've gone through some iterations and we kind of roll around in them. It'll be interesting to see where this happens in the history books and where it lands us. But again, our fear response can be so strong that we get into a space of scarcity and we start to pull apart. We we go into the other state. You are the other you know, we saw that happen politically. Somebody else is on the other side. If you have this kind of behavior, you are on the other side. And when we continue to do that over and over again, and we allow our fear response to be the pilot of the plane, we are heading into troubled air, my friends, very, very troubled air. And the only way to challenge that is to have enough self-awareness as an individual to challenge that. Because let me just say, it is tempting as F. It is tempting because of course we think we're right. Of course we think we're righteous in our belief. Of course we think we know better than the other. And that right there is the biggest block to our evolutionary shift to a love-centered experience period. End of story. If we believe that we are other, that is our biggest block. I have to give a pause to that because anything, 
anything that creates the idea that I am separate from another human being has now put us backwards in terms of our evolution. And I am talking about the evolution of spirit. I am talking about the evolution of love because spoiler alert, what else the hell are we doing? (laughs) I mean, am I here to amass wealth? Am I here to conquer? Am I here? What am I here? What are we, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? No, I think that we are here to see it's all, it's just a big experiment that if we can return to love. I don't know. I'm in constant motion in that, but I will say that I can honestly say I am in constant curiosity with myself around the idea of returning to love. Constant curiosity. Do I get it right all the time? Hell no. Not even remotely close, but I am in constant curiosity. It is a consistent undercurrent of of my life experience to ask those harder questions, to wonder if I am choosing something from a love-based place or from a fear-based place. So let's talk a little bit about this otherness. And I want to kind of rope this into something that has caused me deep dismay uh, this past year. Although, you know, it's it's a human thing, um, but it's just been on hyperdrive for a hot second here, which is the whole cancel culture idea. I will admit that I am not terribly well-versed in even what I'm saying. There's probably some definition for cancel culture that I don't even know, but here's my interpretation that we as a culture right now are quite quick to pile on somebody and to put them out to pasture. You know, there's sort of this desire for that. Another part of me that says we do, and we should have accountability in order to grow in life. They both feel true to me that accountability is important, but we're doing it wrong with this bizarre pile on that also has bizarre autonomy and that we're hiding behind a screen when we do the pile on. And the way that I'm trying to get this, if I desire to pile on somebody, okay, and and and, and let's maybe say, let's, let's pick a lane where it's somewhat justified that that we have solid evidence that somebody has done something not good. But let's let's not call it like the worst thing in the world. Let's call it a, 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 they've not said great things. Okay. We all pile on. Everybody gets online and they just, just go, 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 go. No holds barred. Attack, 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 attack. My curiosity is how is that person feeling? Truly. That's the question that I have. I actually don't know the answer because I have not done it myself. I am not a pile on person. I have strong feelings and I even have strong contempt sometimes for people, but I have, I have yet to pile on. I don't believe in it. Um, I don't think it's a, a good plan for anybody. And I can let the people who are inside of the problem manage that. And I can support them in whatever way that I need to support them. That being said, here's my guess. Let's go back to the schoolyard bully, okay? Some kid gets told, you know, we're going to meet this. I'm um, Guys, I'm going back in time. This is an 80s movie right here, okay? So somebody says we're having, we're fighting at, you know, 3.30 out in the front. We're going to fight out in the front. I think I saw this happen one time, actually, maybe in high school. And the whole school's kind of talking about it, and there's just a lot of energy. So there's a lot of pressure 
to say, pick a side, first of all. So people are feeling this pressure to draw the line in the sand. But when the actual fight occurs, everybody starts cheering sometimes. It's this bizarre sort of mob mentality that occurs. And they're cheering and they're cheering and they're cheering. Now, here's my question. The perpetrator, the person punching, do they feel good or do they feel good? I don't think so. They could be carried away. They are most definitely coming from a fear response, but do they feel good? Do they then feel regret after that? Here's what I'm curious about. If we decide to engage in an otherness mentality and a pile on, do we feel good? I don't think so. I think if somebody took a minute to look into that, they would realize that they have given in to their fear-based response and not their love-based response. And I can almost feel it as I'm saying it, that people would go, well, but you know, there needs to be accountability and we need to shine light on bad behavior. And I agree that there needs to be accountability, but accountability coming from a love-based mentality. For instance, if somebody had been, had spoken inappropriately to women and he kind of had this nature about him. And I think he kind of got away with it quite a bit. And I think he could make people uncomfortable. And when I'm talking about the accountability factor, instead of going online and, you know, calling him names, um, stooping to that level, it could be much more effective to speak to that person and say, this is what it felt like to be on the receiving end of that. But I know that you were only operating from your damaged self. I don't believe that any human is fundamentally cruel, hateful, mean. I can't. I just don't believe that. I believe that we are then, something has happened in this human experience that has caused and created something in us that can not choose our better angels. Do they need to be accountable? Hell yes. Should there be, you know, ramifications and things that happen for your actions? Hell yes. And also we as a species, as the human race, I believe we have to remember that no baby was born cruel. No baby was born cruel. And what we're seeing happen from a global fear response, which is what we've, I, I believe that we've all been through. Anytime, like when I say, when I go back to finding out that we have to move, I'm taking it back to a super micro moment. The first reaction I have is fear-based. It's only upon recognition and clarifying that I can then go to the love-based response. But if you never took that stop on the subway, you don't know what's out there. You never went. And that's often what can happen with us. We just keep on the train. We just stay on the fear train. And my, my observation is that we're a little bit, we're on the speed train of scarcity and fear in terms of the collective. And the only way that we're going to combat that is for each individual person, all of us, any of us, to take the time, to take the energy, to recalibrate that space, to, to question it, and to get curious about how can we change in a more evolved 
loving nature? How can we find love over worry? How can we choose love over fear? And it will be a constant question. And this is the beauty and the pain. It doesn't ever end, but it's not supposed to. Isn't the whole thing that we are meant to leave this world better for our children? Do you all agree? Can everybody raise their hand on that concept? And if we can all raise our hand on that concept, then we can also raise our hand that it is our job to take the time to look deeper to see where we are responding from. And is that really what we want to do? Do we want to be standing in the schoolyard clapping for the person throwing the punches? Do we want to be doing that? Because I'm going to guess, and I, I don't even have to guess, I know, at the end of the day, it feels terrible. And it holds people in a bizarre prison for quite some time. And in fact, I, I know this I really know this, um, what I had brought up earlier about my trauma when I was 18 had to do with a pile on, you know, I guess, my God, it wasn't inter- internet related, but I was canceled. <laughs> I was, I'm not laughing. Sorry. That's probably my awkward response to it, but I was canceled and, uh, it was terrible. It was traumatic. I was, I was abused. I was hit. I was spit on. I was, treated terribly in that environment. And it was, it was really scary for me. And years later, I can't even count at this point, how many letters and messages I got from people who said, it has taken me X amount of years to reconcile what I participated in doing to you, what I witnessed being done to you, how it felt and why I didn't stand up for you. Now, as me, as the person receiving the punches in that moment, I didn't necessarily need anybody to stand up for me. We were young kids. It's hard. It's really hard. And I I understand that. I'm more interested in how it manifested for those people and what happens to us in this lifetime when we absorb trauma that way or when we've agreed to participate in a way that goes against our nature. And I will tell you all right now, anything that comes from fear and hate is going against your nature. It is going against your nature. That is not what we are. Not at any form, not at any time, not at any place. So when we decide to engage in that, it's against something. And every time we do it, it creates a toxic part of us. You know, it creates things inside of our body. It can create even illness at a certain point, how we hold on to that. And in some ways, when I received those letters, that was sometimes more heartbreaking than the act itself because the idea that somebody had carried this backpack for so long and how it then tempered their own life, you know? And it was, again, it was that schoolyard pylon where we lose our way and we drop into one of these distracted places. In that case, if you're still following along with this, that would be a power-based distraction response. Again, this is super confusing, but why? Because we perceive the person throwing the punches to be the stronger in that environment. And we, we, our lower selves wants to align with what we believe to be the stronger thing. And it also comes down to not wanting to be on the receiving end 
of the perpetrator. So we tend towards, uh, at that time, I kind of coined it the army mentality. You know, we would kind of get in line with what we saw as the alpha. We would get in line as what we saw as the general, the, the leader, even if it went against our deeper feeling and deeper sensation. But I want to caution us all to think about what it's doing to us inside of our own bodies. And that the only way that we're going to change as a collective is to really get curious about that and to decide that we want to choose a different path. I've recently been rereading Marion Williamson's book, A Return to Love. If you haven't read that book, go get it. It's a game changer. And the reminder in that book that came from A Course in Miracles says, a miracle is defined by a change in perception from fear to love. A miracle is defined as a change in perception from fear to love. Wow. That is defined as a miracle. And I 1000% agree because I know it because it's how I feel. And ironically, I was talking to my friend today and she said, well, I know it's all going to work out the way it always does, (laughs) where you just land. And her word was in the most perfect way. And I'm going to add something to that. I have always landed in a way that is so beautiful, not always easy, but always beautiful. And ever since I realized that the choices that I made could be made from love and not fear, the outcome was always beautiful every time. My invitation to you today is to take a deeper look at where you may be choosing from fear If you want to go a little deeper, connect it to those distractors, power, sex, money, drugs, how they are doing the Samba with that fear response. The more you see those things and the more you understand the driving force, the more you're able to dig deeper into making the choices that are love-based more authentically and more often. You know, I always feel this way. You just have to see it. Once we see it, the change can be more simple. The hardest part is seeing it. And I talked about this in episode one, when I break flow down, F for finding is becoming the observer. And I argue that that is the most fundamental part of this process, because if you do not see it, you cannot change it. And then we are just responding all the time. We're in a response state. We are not flying the plane. We are the passenger of the plane. We are responding to the bump, the turn. When we're flying the plane, we make the turn and we go, oh, here comes the bump. Well, I actually don't know. I've never flown a plane, but let's just take a guess. Then I'm making that decision. If I'm in the back of the plane, I'm like, whoa, whoa, that happened. Hey, whoa, that happened. I'm just responding and then I'm course correcting based on what the pilot's choice was. Be the pilot. We must remain curious no matter what is happening in your life. We must remain curious. We must remain intoxicated by the idea that we are in co-creation because what I'll say about that is whether things are hard or easy, 
a co-creation state is really fun versus the why me state or why is this happening or how can I make it stop? The co-creation state gives you the ability to go, ah, I see. There's a greater plan for me than I understand. And that sometimes I have to walk through the valley to get there. And I, I can do that. I can do that. You guys go forth today with flow in your heart. I love to imagine you all walking and listening, washing your dishes, driving your car. And I want to just be sitting next to you and be your co-pilot in that car. I'm going to point up ahead and say, oh, there's a hairpin turn. Slow your row as any good friend would. All right, you guys, sending you lots of love, lots of flow. I will talk to you next week. 